Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for Bible dorks everywhere. I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies, Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Tim McNinch, professional Bible dork and assistant (laughs) professor of Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary. This week, we're bringing you preaching tips and tricks for Sunday, August 21st, 2022. The first reading for this Sunday is Isaiah 58, 9b through 14, and Rachel's up to lead us through it. So where do you want to begin, Rach? Well, first of all, it's kind of fun to be doing Isaiah 58, 9b through 14, because a little over two years ago, I helped lead an episode on Isaiah 58, 1 through 9a. So (laughs) this is sort of the like two years later, part two to that episode. It's a bit of a long wait for part two, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, right. We're like those sequels that keep you on the hook for years on end. Well, I'm sure this will be totally worth the wait. No, thanks. No pressure. (laughs) Well, let me start by saying I would suggest that if you're interested in preaching this text, you go and listen to our January 28th, 2020 episode as a part one or a prequel to today's episode. Mm -hmm. The first half of this chapter deals with the dangers of the type of living that places our wants above our needs or others' needs. Today's reading describes what might happen if we are able to resist the temptation to act selfishly and what life might look like then. At least that's one way to read this text. If I were preaching, I would come at that issue from an angle talking about the issue of call. Now, Call is a really churchy word in some places and a really unknown word in others. Uh, So let's kind of talk through it real quick here on the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tim, Tim, you're going to be my guinea pig, okay? Okay. So if I were to ask you about your call story, what kind of story might you tell me? Mm. So, I mean, that sounds like sort of the story of discerning my sense of call into ministry Mm -hmm. or service to the church and sort of an experience of feeling or sensing God's direction in that mm. in that sort of way. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting because we grew up in very different traditions, but in the Lutheran church, we talk about call that way too. It's it's often this um this story of how God has called you into a certain type of ministry. Uh so when I was asked that question 10 years ago, people typically were wanting to know about my call to being a parish pastor, about how I felt the urge to serve God through the church. Um but it's not just about ministry that uh that call, this Christian idea of call should be used to talk about. Uh and it's actually kind of nice now that I'm a professor, I still get asked about my call story. But the folks who ask me want to know about how I felt the urge and God's presence in my discernment to become a professor. Mm -hmm. And I I really like that shift because I do feel that I'm called to be a professor, or as I like to put it, I've been called to academic ministry. And I like the fact that the people around me see what I'm doing as a call and not just a job. In the Lutheran Church, we have a long history of talking about calls that are not just jobs, and especially are not just church jobs either. Martin Luther was really, really big on this. And so while it may seem like I'm going on kind of a tangent here, I think Isaiah 58 actually describes a lot of what it feels like to be engaged in one's calling, to be engaged in doing the thing where God is guiding you and leading you into the world. When you're doing that thing, whatever it is, whether it's a job or not, 
It feels like you're offering food to the hungry, like you're satisfying the needs of the afflicted. It feels like a brilliant uncovering in the midst of obscurity and murkiness. You can feel God guiding you to and through something bigger, deeper, and more mysterious than you are yourself. And when you do it, you feel strong, like a watered garden, a gushing spring, a repairer of the breach, a restorer of homes. And all of that imagery comes from Isaiah 58, from various various verses. Mm -hmm. And I think that those feelings come, in fact, I'm pretty convinced about this, Because when you are engaged in your calling, the thing, again, not necessarily your job, but the thing to which God has brought you and guided you to serve the world, you feel that way because you're not, quote, serving your own interest or pursuing your own affairs, as is described in Isaiah 58, verse 13. Instead, and again, here pulling imagery from verse 14, you're involved in a deep dance of delight one that takes you to the heights of the earth and that feasts you upon the heritage of your ancestors. Now, this may all sound really lofty and very churchy, but I actually had an experience with someone recently who was able to articulate their call story in a way that had almost nothing to do with professional ministry. This is actually the person who does my hair. She surprised me one day as she was she was finishing up my hair uh, by initiating a discussion of baptism, which led to a discussion of dedication to Christ, which led to a discussion of church and the world in general, and then that led to a discussion of one's calling. And she has a fascinating story and the most clearly articulated call story that I think I've ever heard in my life. Huh. She didn't grow up in the church. She talks about how the person who guided her to faith was a hairdresser. And my hairdresser has always been really good with hair. So she felt like that was God's first kind of moment of calling her into something that both involved her faith and her skills. She said she felt called to that occupation as if there was something deeper in the act of doing hair that deeply connected her to God and to the world, and more importantly, to the needs of the world through the work of her hands. She talked about how the kind of work that she did allowed people to open up with her, that they trusted her with their body, and because of that, then opened up to her about their emotions, about their lives, in a way that was unusual and would not have happened had she not been there in that moment doing her calling. So it was interesting because she didn't use necessarily those words as she was describing it, But as she talked, um, when she was finishing describing it, I just reflected back to her the way she had uh, talked about it using the words of calling and being connected to God and to the needs of the world. And she instantly smiled and she placed her fingertips on my head, right into my hair, like right into my scalp. And she said, I get to work here. And she tapped my head. She said, I get to work at the crown. I work with the area through which moves every thought, every emotion, every urge. That's what people trust me with, and that's where God's calling me. And it was just this incredible... She, her, her job was not her job because it was her calling. It was the place that God had moved her to be able to meet certain needs. And because of that, the way she experienced her job was as this, this deep connection to mystery, which was a really amazing thing. Mm. And I, I think that's what 
this text can do for folks is invite them into thinking about what is their calling in life? Is it their job? Is it something in their family? Is it something completely different? Whatever it is, you know it when you feel it. Oh, what a beautiful story. And you've given us an example of somebody whose sense of calling was not in professional ministry, Mm. but in an entirely different line of work. And for others, their sense of calling will come in an area which is not their place of employment, but yeah. some other you know part of their lives. So uh, this is a great text, like you say, to invite people to reflect on where it is that God is calling them and how they experience that using the language of Isaiah 58. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it could be a really fun and really useful thing, especially, you know, since this comes in um, towards the end of August when we're starting up school again and lives are ramping up and it can get easy to get overwhelmed unless you feel very grounded in your calling. And so this Mm -hmm. is an opportunity to help people do that before life starts to, to ramp up. Yeah. And, you know, it's really helpful that you give an example, somebody's story to to help sort of process through this biblical text. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd recommend that to, to preachers as well, um, mm-hmm. not to use Rachel's hairdresser's story, but to use one that maybe comes from your own congregation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the best of all possible worlds would be to have a couple people in your congregation prepare to share briefly mm-hmm. their sense of calling and how it relates to this text. I think Love that would it. be a, a great intersection with this passage. Yeah, share the joy of preaching. I love that. (laughs) Okay, well, friends, that's going to do it for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about First Reading, you can find us at firstreadingpodcast.com. All of our episodes are there, and you can search through them for just about any passage in the lectionary that you are interested in by using our handy-dandy search tool. You can keep up with us on Facebook or send us an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support us through paypal.com. There's a link to that on our website, as well as a whole page of merchandise. We're grateful to all of you who support us, including Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for the grant that they've given us to help us out here. And we're grateful to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Blessings on your calling, folks.